Welcome back to A Fresh Story, the podcast where we have conversations about brave decisions to start over again. I'm Olivia. And I'm Jenny. And we're so glad you're here today. Hello, 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 sister. Well, hello there, my sister, sister. Um, How are you today? I am good. I'm thinking about what we're going to eat for lunch after this because we're recording these bumpers. It's 1219. Um, and I'm thinking, what if we go to one of the old classics? What if we go to Perea for lunch? What do you think of that? Perea. I feel like we need a theme song for Perea. <laughs> we can talk to Nico about that. About um, you know, so Perea, which originated as the Mediterranean snack bar, yes. the Med, the Med, the Med. Um, is one of, is probably our, is it your favorite restaurant? Because I think it's my favorite restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 it is. I think it is. And we went a couple of weeks ago and it was so awesome. And we talked to the yes. owner. We're Nico. Nico. Mm-hmm. We're going to have them on the podcast. Um, And they, we've been going, we talked about this on our episode. We, our family's been going there for generations. And it's literally, literally the best Greek food mm-hmm. in the world. Sorry, Greece. Um, <laughs> sorry, Greece. Sorry, Greece. We don't need to go. No planes needed. We'll just shop and but the um the funny part is when we posted we were at Perea, our guest today was like, Oh my god, I love Perea. So if you come to Huntington, you, yes. you gotta stop at Perea. Now that yes. we have um some big music venues in town, our little old town got some music venues. We've always um, had that music venue. I'm gonna fight you on that. That's where we saw our first concert. Oh yeah, the before it was the Paramount. It was oh the IMAX theater it was called. Bob yeah. Dylan played there, man. Yeah, like true. we've always okay. Huntington is a They've hub upgraded. They've and upgraded. it is on the same street as just block is just shops down from Praia, which as we said was the Mediterranean snack bar. And if you go, you should get the spinach casserole because it's mm-hmm. literally my favorite food in the whole world. I think I've just decided that it's my favorite food in the whole world. And that's how I feel about their soup, their chicken soup. Yeah, that, anyway, yeah. so Daniel, <laughs> our friend Daniel, Daniel who, um, is he, a therapist. Daniel Rinaldi's a therapist mm-hmm. and he's a musician. He was in he was in the band Bed Light for Blue Eyes back when he was like, what did he say, 19? I mean, yeah, he'll get into 20s. the details. Yeah. But um, he was like a kid in college and ended up in this band. And, you know, he talks so much on the episode about what it's like to have that sort of success early on, what it's like to join a band um, as like somebody that just auditions for it mm-hmm. and what that ex- how that translates and how he's brought that into his practice as a mental health counselor. Um, we could have talked to Daniel. I think Daniel might be the male version of Olivia. They're very very similar and we could have talked to him for hours he's you know he's awesome unfortunately Olivia and I keep being like you're welcome to come back whenever so I think we have to do this podcast as a full-time job now because yeah we just want to talk to people all the time maybe more bonus episodes we'll do like bonus with bonus with yeah yeah, Daniel is a sweetheart and he had so many great stories Daniel also had a really tragic event happen in his life Mm -hmm. as from his childhood which we get into and it really guided we talk a lot about grief on this episode Mm -hmm. um and how to live with grief he's and he's a beautiful beautiful storyteller no of mm-hmm. course he's a beautiful musician and writes music and now he is a huge advocate for mental health and he yep. is he's also um much like us an entrepreneur at heart <laughs> and building a lot of different things there are some really beautiful quotes in this episode mm-hmm. that we'll we'll share on social but if you are looking for a little bit of hope right now mm. this is the episode to listen to that is kind of the key here so enjoy daniel um and his conversation Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Refresh Stories so that we can keep telling stories and make this our full-time job. Daniel is a mental health counselor, singer-songwriter in the band Bed Light for Blue Eyes, and host of the upcoming podcast Light and Dark Podcast about music and mental health. 
He's a mental health and wellness advocate and the founder of Mind Noise, a collective of mental health professionals and creatives. We connected on Twitter, and I'm so excited to talk to you today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. How are you doing today, Daniel? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. That's awesome. We are so excited to have you here. Why don't you take us back to the beginning of your Fresh Start story? So I kind of, I feel like I have two. Is that all right? Yeah, we love it. Although one happened very early, it's kind of the second Fresh Start. So I'll start with the kind of music business Fresh Start first. So um, I was 18 years old um, in my freshman year of college. Didn't really know what was going on um, with my life. I was, I was a music education major, but wasn't really sure if that was my calling or whatever it was. Um, so shortly, like about halfway through my freshman year, I got a chance to audition for like one of my favorite bands at the time. Um, and ended up being the band that you mentioned, Bed Life for Blue Eyes. Um, and that would lead to me joining that band and being on the road with them for about four or five years. Um, And then after that, and this is where the fresh start comes. So I thought that was going to be the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that the music industry, although I've been in the music industry for over 15 years at this point, you know, whether it was a band or kind of just had my hand in it, I thought that band was going to kind of be it for me for the rest of my life. And lo and behold, a lot of things got in the way. Um, Personalities started to, to clash. Things started to happen. Um, bands are like relationships um, and they can be bad. They can be toxic. Um, mm-hmm. And this was one that was getting bad. So before it started to affect us even more or affect the people that really appreciated our music, we decided to call it quits. Um, and for me, that felt like the end of the world. That felt like everything I hoped and dreamed for, everything that I worked so hard for, um, and especially at such a young age, I was lost. I lost my best friends. I lost the, I'll be honest, the attention from yeah. from all of the people that were coming to shows. Um, and it's true what they say, like, what do you do when they stop chanting your name? Mm-hmm. Um, I had no idea what to do. I bounced around a lot. I spiraled a lot. I went down some like pretty, pretty dark holes um, that I needed a lot of help getting out of. It wasn't until I started to get into the world of understanding what my role in the band really was. Mm. Um, I think oftentimes we assume titles. We I assumed lead singer, and that was my identity. But that wasn't really what I felt after being outside of it was my purpose. So finding what my purpose was, was human connection. And that Mm -hmm. is something I always valued. And that's what helped me with my fresh start and getting into the the mental health field. I knew my time in music was kind of running out and I needed to figure something out. And the first thing to figure out was, how do I get into mental health field? Part of that was going back to school, which was not an easy task. Um, I mean, as anyone knows, money, um, Mm -hmm. time, especially as now, now I was an adult with a life and needed to work full time. So I needed to figure that out. Figuring out what my identity was after that was really the fresh start moment was finding the, that human connection was really what I was searching for. And how I could find that was 
connecting with humans and mm. and wanting to help them. I worked my tail off um, doing like every six weeks, like a six week a class program, getting all that done and then, you know, becoming a mental health counselor and helping those. And that was kind of the way I started fresh in, I guess, my career and my life, right? Like, I guess it, it you know, it kind of affects me all over the place. Having to say goodbye to the, the, the music industry at the caliber I was at was really, really hard. It wasn't until I got curious about things um, and used curiosity. It wasn't until then that I like really found what like I needed to do and where I needed to like kind of restart my life. What was that transition? Like I, my partner is a musician and he was in a band. He's from the UK. He was in a band in the UK. I know bands from Jersey. I know bands from the UK, right? And they seem like so big to the audience. And then you find out that these guys are like barely scraping by, right? Like it's not making a real living. I have a friend that was in Titus Andronicus and he was like, he was like, it was my dream. And he was like, but I was making like no money, right? Like just enough to like basically live. He like lived in a music venue. And, and then I think of my partner, Thomas, who was in this uh, post-metal band in the UK and they were touring and they were doing the whole thing. But like, again, not making a living. And then you have to, at some point, sort of give up this dream of like, like you said, standing on the edge. What, what did that feel like? Like every music playing little boy grows up into a man and, and wants to have that dream. And then you had to give that up, right? Sort of at that moment, like that must've been very hard to do. How did you sort of heal that wound in you afterwards? I am very lucky to have an extremely fantastic support system in my family um and at the time in friends that mm-hmm. really like were able to like lift me up because like you said it was it was my dream to to be on stage it didn't necessarily have to be a rock band it just so happened to be a rock band how it played out like uh before that I was a theater kid so like I I went to a performing arts high school in New York like I did the whole nine yards with that and yeah, people don't see like you kind of you see these larger than life personalities mm-hmm. um, on stage and off stage, right? Even when you're just like walking around the venue, you're trying your hardest. But what they don't see is the anxiety, the depression, yeah. um, the twelve hour drives to the next venue, yeah. the swiping your own card because your your band isn't making enough money, um, and a lot of people think just because you're signed to a label that that's helpful. And that means nothing a lot of the times too, because they give you money for other things, right? They help you make a record, they do all this stuff. And then there's not a whole lot of money to give you after that. So um, you're kind of on your own. It gets very, very lonely. Um, And people don't see that. So yeah, that, that transition was was extremely tough, but I was, I was lucky to have a good support system, but I still found myself like, lonely and scared and am I not good enough am I not like was I not good enough um why does no one want me anymore you know like why does why do why do these labels not care about me they cared about me two months ago why do why is no one listening anymore Uh, was that true I don't know I tell myself a lot of things right like I am I am an anxious mess most days so Mm -hmm. 
don't know if that was true. And like later on in life, you find out things like, you know, Spotify is a wonderful thing that shows you how many listeners you still have. Yeah. So like, that's a wonderful thing to be like, wow, that many people are still really listening. So like later on in life, you get a better sense and you get a deeper appreciation for it. But when you're kind of like in the chaos, it's really hard to find the calm and it's really hard to it's really hard to pick yourself back up because no not like you're not getting the same level of of feedback and attention and reinforcement that you were getting right it's almost like a it's like a drug Mm -hmm. right you become addicted to it in a way Uh, yeah I I would say so yeah I like it's definitely that was my thing like that was what I had I fed off of looking out and seeing people like I was young. I was being 18 on the road is young. And that was like the first time I ever left New York, New Jersey or Florida Mm. was in that band, right? Like I visited uncles in Florida. The band was from New Jersey and I lived in New York. So those are the only places I went. And now you're, now you're talking like I'm in Arkansas at three in the morning. I'm in Texas at two in the morning. And I like remember seeing things and thinking they were like, wow, there's really such things as tumbleweeds. I didn't know that. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. like, wow, there's like buffalo right there. That's weird. Yeah. So like being 18 on the road, like you're, you're bright eyed and bushy tail, but like also too, like you're getting all of the things that that growing 18 year old so desperately needs. Attention, unconditional love from fans yeah. that like love your music. And, and, and at some points, like, you know, give you the feedback of like, Hey, like you, you saved this, or you did this, you helped me with this. And that, that builds in you, whether you like it or not. And, and some people use it in a bat in a toxic way and some people take it and, and harness it. And I always try to take it and harness it for, to just throw it back on stage and, and perform harder and sing through sickness and sing through anxiety and sing through like, oh, I was just in the van, you know, crying. Um, but now I'm going to get on stage because that's that's yeah. what you have to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like the transitions are tough and it's it's a tough life. I don't know. It, it takes a certain person to, to get out there and do that. What I love what you said before was about titles. I think that's like a really, really interesting conversation because we talk to a lot of people who are at crossroads in their lives or you mm-hmm. know have gone through a crossroad. And I love what you said about like, you know, you're given this title, like a lead singer or like wife or husband or, you know, whatever, right? Manager. And you don't often look at the purpose or what's under it. Or like Mm -hmm. you said, the curiosity behind that. Um, And I am fascinated with this idea. So you auditioned for the band. Can you just talk us through like how that all happened? So you auditioned for the band you it's not like these were like your best buddies and you decided to nope. join a band. So that's a very different relationship mm-hmm. than, you know, other people. So how did that all work? How did that happen? So I, and this is, this is a funny story too, for being a guy who went into a rock band. I loved hip hop music. I listened to in high school. I listened to hip hop music and whatever my dad listened to his whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people, they don't really mm-hmm. form their music playlist until way later on you kind of just listen to what other people are listening to um and it wasn't until it was actually funny uh, of my friend peter at the time 
gave me a, a, a punk song that had a rap part in it because he was trying to convert me. <laughs> and he was like, listen to this, listen to this. And I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. And then another friend of mine, Mark, who knew I sang, you know, everyone knew I sang was like, this singer sounds a lot like you. I think you'd enjoy going, going to see this band. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll bite. Like, let's go. So we went into Manhattan. We were actually, the first time I saw the band was at the legendary CBGBs when it was still mm-hmm. open and still a concert venue. Um, and I went there and I was blown away. I was blown away and I was hooked. I was like, this is my band. I'm going to listen to them. Two days later, and as MySpace was still a big thing at the time, um, a bulletin goes out and it says, we've just, our singer just left the band. We are in search of a new singer. And I was like, heartbroken, heartbroken to as like, I was like, oh my goodness, I just found this band and now they're broken up. Like what the heck? So I ended up not telling anyone, but sent them a message and said, Hey, like, I've never done this before, but I'd love to come audition. I think I know all your songs. I ended up like super theater kid, printed out all the lyrics, had it in like a protected binder. Um, And everyone skipped over that message, except the bass player at the time, James. And he ended up writing me back and was like, you know, we've auditioned some people. They're just not right. If you want, you could come through. Let's schedule it. I lied to my whole family because I had never driven by myself to like New Jersey before. And I said, I was bringing a friend and I was going to just see what this was like. I ended up meeting, you know, pulling outside of the guitarist parents house and met with the drummer who ended up being one of my close best friends during my time in the band. But I met, I met all of these guys for the first time, like, and was like, Hey, hi, I'm going to sing for you now. (laughs) Um, So we ended up, I ended up singing and on the way to drive me to go meet another member of the band who was actually working at the time. um, The drummer looks at me and he goes, it's yours if you want it. And I was like, Uh -uh. what? I was like, well, I have to talk to my mom and dad first (laughs) because like, I still like I'm a kid, you know, like I'm still pretty young here. Um, so I remember being so freaked out, driving home, getting lost on like route 22, um, going back into Manhattan. Every time. I remember, yeah. Every time. Right. <laughs> it's ridiculous there. I remember having to pull over and like getting sick because I was so overwhelmed and anxious. And like I said, I had the best support system. My parents said, is this what you want? is this what you really want? And I was like, I think this is what I want. They said, go for it. Let their 18 year old kid get out with these, you know, 25 year old guys at the time, um, closer to 30 probably (laughs) that he didn't know. And they didn't know to travel the country. And that's what I did. And that's how it started. Like, just like a, a fluke message, a silly audition in the basement where like I overshot some of like the, the notes but they saw some sort of potential and that's 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 the that's the story wow. it was like the true like made for tv rock star movie where <laughs> like it was a real like bad I got thing to... you do like a real yeah, even, yeah. even then you were reaching out for connection idea that you were like i'm just gonna message them on myspace and see what happens like what's the worst that can happen you were looking for connection even then right you you understood that what fed you was connection even if you didn't understand what was happening 
And it's so funny to hear the story that like then after that, you know, there are just humans with parents' basements and jobs and everything like that. <laughs> yeah, it was very much so not what fans would think. Right. <laughs> as yeah. far as like, you know, when we went and recorded an album, or like, you know, the album, it was we drove down to Atlanta in like my guitarist's like RAV4 and all of our equipment and all of us Mm -hmm. just like shoved into this little tiny car. And there like, there was no like, we're going to get on a flight and go here and we're going to do this. But yeah, it was, I've, I've, I think I've always searched for connection. I have a lot of void in my life and Mm. I've always searched to fill that. And mm-hmm. definitely the guys in the band filled a lot of those those voids that I had from when I was growing up. So like, yeah, it's all about connection. And and like, even when you said like, like we're all the same at the end of the day, yeah. like, you know, I always talk to everybody. Like mm-hmm. if anyone, even now, like I, I, I posted something not too long ago. It's like, I'm not your therapist, but I am a therapist. And my number one job is to help people. So Mm -hmm. even if I can't help you personally and I can't be your therapist or I can't do something, I'm going to work my hardest to get you somewhere else because that's what I signed up for. I didn't sign up to be some gatekeeper or I didn't sign up to to not help. I signed up to say like, you're in need, I'm going to help you. And I would do that with someone I met walking down the block yeah. you know so it, it's it's just one of those things where like yeah human connection and like trying to trying to fill those gaps that you feel you're missing yeah yeah and you're using your power for good as we always say here at fresh starts right you're you know you you had a platform and like you said you put it all back into giving back to the audience giving back to your fans i'm sure you connected with so many of your fans while you were on the road I mean not like we when we knew we were going to talk to you I we talked to our friend Allie who grew up in New Jersey and I'm like hey do you know this band she was like what I love them <laughs> I'm like yeah we're having Daniel on the podcast she's like how did you do that so like you, you clearly connected with your audiences very well so you know you're on the road with all these guys what was the relationship like I mean that's a pressure cooker relationship right that's like being married to somebody you've never met before so what was that like you know being on five of you yeah right yeah I think one of the best parts of it and I liken this to like living with someone before you jump in right Mm -hmm. before you go full-fledged like hey yeah now we figure out all the things we dislike about each other right um one of the biggest things was I said I wanted to finish my freshman year of college right. before before I jumped out on the road. That time period of finishing it, which was like three, four months maybe I had left, there was a lot of like hanging out. I was there every weekend, hanging out, practicing, talking, getting to know each other. So that was helpful in, in that sense where we kind of were able to kind of see personalities and how they were going to click. and at the end of the day, like you're out on the road, it's three in the morning in North Dakota and you're sleepy and someone just wakes you up, you're going to be pissed. And it doesn't matter mm-hmm. how much friendship building you do beforehand. It, it It is a pressure cooker at all times because you're not sleeping. You're not eating well. 
you're not really taking care of yourself to a to a point that makes sense, right? Because it's not like we're sitting there and like talk about New Jersey. We're not Bon Jovi, right? Like we're not mm-hmm. sitting there with like the best of the best yeah. and and getting all this wonderful food and treatment. It's like we're essentially out on our own. Um, but it was, I think in some ways it was good because they treated me like a younger brother. They treated yeah. me like that person they needed to teach. Um, and I also got that from other bands as well that we toured with because everyone was older than me. I don't think until later on in the band, I don't think my first tours ever were with anyone that was my age. I was always the young guy. So for years, for three years, I was always the guy who had giant X's on his hands, you know, with the bars (laughs) that were like, this kid can't drink. Not that I did. Like I made a choice to not, do anything like that when I was in the band. Um, because for me, it was about the music. It was about performing. Um, but yeah, so it was like this little brother atmosphere is very much like, we're going to take care of you. There were countless nights where like, you might've got yourself in some verbal stuff with some random person on the street who didn't like the way you looked because we were wearing tight jeans and tight shirts and had colored hair. And it was very much so like, we need to protect him. He's our, he's our little guy. Like we need to protect him. So it it had that kind of vibe and and vice versa. I always looked towards them like they were an older sibling, Uh, knew that they knew more about this than I did. Um, So I always tried to be a sponge and tried to like go with their, their lead on a lot of different things. Um, But it was very much like a sibling relationship for sure and in terms of like i know i know because you we chatted briefly but with sibling relationships you had sibling relationship stuff in your past Mm -hmm. that may have played into that a little bit can you talk a little bit about that if you want yeah that's kind of the second fresh start right so when i was seven years old I lost my older brother who was 10 years old. Um, He had an inoperable brain tumor, um, brainstem lioma, which is like the fancy technical term. I think when I look to what I've searched for my whole life, when we talk about filling voids and searching for connection, that's where that comes from. In my life, anyone who has ever seemed like an older brother to me, I've always had a good close relationship um, or it's turned into something where when that relationship ends, it hurts even more. Yeah. Um, Partly with the band um, and with some friends that have been casualties over the years to distance and time apart, it feels very much like you're losing them or losing that person over and over again. Yeah. Another fresh start with that, with is is kind of my grief journey right it's kind of where i'm at now where i've made the decision to tell my story a little bit more i never wanted anyone to feel bad for me i never wanted anyone to ever think of me different or give me things because when you're seven and you lose somebody everyone gives you something Mm. it's everyone wants to take you to the best places for dinner Everyone wants to get you the the game or the toy that you want. 
you want to join this thing, you want to join this thing, go right ahead. We'll do whatever we want. We'll do, mm. you do whatever you want to make you smile. I never wanted to utilize that, especially in my career. I mean, I did write a song and I did end up writing a song about my brother for our album, which was like the first time I ever kind of like publicly said anything mm. um, about it. And then that song kind of like took off, like mm. for us and a lot of people and people to, to this day, I mean, years later, still are connecting with that and still are writing to me saying, oh my goodness, like I had someone that I lost that was young and this song really helped me or this song really touched me. So I think those are the things that I've, that I've searched for. And now years later, I'm willing to tell my story if it can help others. I'm willing to share things that I've never shared so that if someone needs that, yeah, they can do that because, you know, I'll, I'll, although I fill those voids, nothing will ever replace that. Right. Like uh -huh. I, I, I've put band-aids on a lot of things for many years. Um, but now I want to be able to utilize that and use that to, to help other people so that, you know, they can, they can find, find spots in their life where they can, they can find meaning they can find connection. They can, you know, live live a day just one one more bit happier than they did the one before. So yeah, the, like my like want for telling my story now is kind of a fresh start in that. For years and years, I've I've like been like this shaken soda um, that's just bottled those things mm. and like getting myself into therapy getting myself connecting with other people and, mm -hmm. and sharing that story has been pivotal to kind of restart that portion of my life that like felt very much like this just like old wound that just like, like you just look at it and you're just like, oh, are you ever going to stop bleeding? Or are you ever going to like stop doing this thing? But I think with connecting, you're able to just, I don't know, find find those those common threads with people and yeah. and help them but them also help you yeah and I think that that's the most beautiful thing in life right and I was gonna say too you know I'm assuming you know your age a little bit and grief was something that we didn't talk about culturally mm -hmm. at all even just a few years ago, right? And the way that we approach children and death and talking about the hard stuff with children was not the same that I know I'm doing with my kids, right? Mm -hmm. It's completely different. So the journey that you've been on is really powerful because you've kind of said like, I'm going to take this this grief journey and share it with others so nobody has to feel alone for one second. And it's hard, right, to like look at that wound and see it bleeding. Mm -hmm. But knowing that it's going to help other people, yeah. I would imagine makes it feel like your brother's, you know, still with you in a way to help support other people on their journey and through their grief. Absolutely. And you're, you're exactly right. Like America in general, right? Grief is not mm -hmm. something that people talk about, deal with. There's a lot of stigma behind it, especially when you're young. When I was seven, like it was like, I thought he was going to come back. Like mm -hmm. I didn't, like, I was like, oh, this is, it'll be fine. Like this is all just going to blow over and things will go back to normal. And then as you get yeah. older, you're like, 
oh, that doesn't happen. Um, yeah. And so many, and when you look to other cultures, they have such a deeper understanding at a younger age, but they also have, it's just so accepted in other places mm-hmm. to grieve and to connect with those people that are no longer, no longer with you. Um, here, it's kind of, you know, looked at differently. As of late, as mental health has become more to the forefront and we're trying to lessen the stigma and stigma around it, people are, are allowing themselves to share those stories or allowing themselves to, you know, get out in front of those things. And, and they're realizing there are other people out there like them. Um, and it's okay to feel those feelings. It does like a, a lot of it, you know, with the connection and with trying to help other people, it, it does feel very much so like I, I have him right there with me and I have him, you know, I'm, I'm doing something that maybe would make him, you know, proud and make yeah. him and, and, and just help that legacy to live on because like, I call it long grief, like long grief is, is a son of a gun. Um, and the more you can connect with those people who were gone a long time ago is something that is, is important. I think I tweeted the other day, something to the, to the effect of like, like no one tells you that with like long grief that like, you're going to start to forget what they sound like you're going to, you're not going to know what the, the smells are all going to be gone. There's a lot of things that you miss that you're missing. And, but no one tells you that, right. You just like, when it's fresh, it's right there. And there you open a closet and there's still clothes there, you know, like you open, you open something and there's still like a a hint of cologne or perfume or whatever. And as you move through the years, the clothes get donated, right. Or they get put away. Yeah. Yeah. All the home movies that were, you know, on VHS at the time, yep, right? Yep. Um, all of those get put away. <clears throat> yeah. Um, pictures, pictures get less and less um, because they get replaced or they get moved to the back for new things. That doesn't necessarily make that the new things bad, right? But like, it's just life. Life happens. We've, I've always said you don't like. I, I'll, I'll never, I'll never stop loving my brother. I'll never forget about my brother he's always going to be with me, but you have to learn how to live. And it's the same thing. I mean, grief isn't just about someone who's passed, right? Like the person doesn't have to be passed. There's grief in marriage. There's grief, you know, all over with a job, pets, whatever it might be. Yeah. You have to learn to live, like live through things, put your head down and climb the mountain. And sometimes it's hard. And sometimes it's, you know, some, some days you're able to run right up the mountain and other days you have to use that pickaxe and you have to scrape and claw to get over that mountain. But a lot of the times, like I'm, I'm a testament to, if you keep going and you, and you're curious and you can, and if you can be curious, you can find hope. Mm -hmm. And once you get hope, you can start again and you can have a fresh start um, and, and do all that. Look at that shameless plug right there. That was a plug and a half. You're killing me. That was a plug and a half right there. First of all, I have a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old boys. And so Mm. I'm very much like, your story is like really breaking my heart. Um, I would love to know the role of music 
even mm-hmm. as a child, right? Because I know like my seven-year-old, my 10-year-old, they love they love their music. What was the role of music through your grief journey from all of this? And also, you know, you had a brother who was sick. And so you, you know, we often talk about the role of siblings in families. Um, and we were Jenny and I are like obsessed with sibling relationships because we mm-hmm. have a very unique sibling relationship. And I was born sick. And even though I'm the oldest, we often say like in a lot of ways, she's the oldest because she was the oldest child born healthy. Mm-hmm. And um, I just I'm I'm uh, what was it like, you know, when your brother was sick and you're seven and you're dealing with all this, you know, what was the role of music? Because clearly you are so dedicated as a musician and a beautiful prolific writer as well right so what was that like on your journey to have that that role of music and woven throughout yeah music has always always played a huge part I mean even for my first brush with music really was singing in my church's children's chorus and the only reason I wanted to do that is because my older brother was Mm -hmm. in the choir and I was like, I want to be in the choir. I want to be in the choir. While he was, you know, while he was sick and after, music has always played a role because it's always been a way for me to speak when I can't. Mm. Um, or I'm able to put myself in different shoes and write from a different perspective, mm. um, which is, you know, part of what I think makes a makes a good therapist too, right? Is is finding yeah. the different, mm-hmm. being the different perspective being, you know, putting yourself in other shoes. And that's what writing and music has always done for me. And, you know, I've always gravitated towards me. I mean, I went to a performing arts high school that played a huge role in being able to like have this outlet that wasn't going to leave me. You know, it it wasn't like music was one of those things where it wasn't going to leave me at that point. Um, and and then especially when I got in the band and then I was able to write a song about him, that was an even deeper, an even deeper thing yeah. for me to like a role for the music to play. But for me, music is is always, 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 always going to be a way for me to find the words when I can't find them. I challenge anyone when you're feeling a certain type of way you don't always have to have the words. Someone else can have them for you. It's okay. And when you listen to those songs, you know, I tell people all the time, if you're having trouble communicating with your spouse or your children or whatever, find the song that communicates Mm -hmm. it for you and give them that song. Because Mm -hmm. rather than staying silent and bottling it all up, give them words, give them music because they will understand you know, they will hear that and get what you're going for. So yeah, so that was so important. And and I agree with you, the sibling relationship is 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 a fantastic one. And I mean, I, I also have a, a younger brother who, it was one of those things where my parents were like, hey, you're an only child, you know, mm-hmm. this was, you know, my, my younger brother, he's 10 years younger than me. Mm-hmm. So the sibling relationship is interesting there. Sibling. Like I was, I was, old you know when when you know I was I was 10 then when I had my younger brother and now you know we we could talk for six more podcasts about sibling relationships and you know what it's like to be 
now the older brother who Mm -hmm. lost his older brother, but now has a younger brother. And my fears that surround my younger brother all the time (sighs) and his, because he grew up, you know, he, he's growing up a lot different. He never got to meet his oldest brother. Um, He has a very different grief journey. He has a very different connection. Him and I have a very different connection because we're 10 years apart. You know, there's, there's a lot of difference there, but yeah. And music has played a huge role. He, he's, he's a singer. Um, He went, he actually went to the same high school that I did. Um, He's, you know, he's a theater kid through and through loves, loves his, loves his Broadway serious XM channel. (laughs) Um, But yeah, in a three to four hour drive, there are a lot of people that might not like show tunes. Um, you can ask my dad, um, but, but yeah, music has always played such a role. It's one of those things now too. Like I, I have a very interesting relationship with music. Now there are times when I can't listen to music because it makes me, it brings me back to that person who I was and makes messes with me a little bit. Yeah. Um, but when I can find music that I connect very deeply to, it is it is like my religion. It yes. is I I hold on to that. Yeah. What um what were you you said you were raised on the music that you liked, which was rap, and then your dad's music. What was your dad listening to? So I might be the only 35-year-old in the world that loves Hollow Notes. Um I don't know. I love no. Hollow Notes too. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm also 35. So so I grew up, my dad, my first concert was um, Steely Dan. So I love Steely Dan. My second concert was Hall & Oates. And I've been to like, damn, like maybe 20 Hall & Oates concerts, something like that. I love it. (laughs) Um, So Steely Dan, Hall & Oates, like I love the Temptations. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Like the same parents, I think. When when they had the Carol King, uh, beautiful, the Carol King musical, I went with my Mm. dad because we listened to a lot of like Carol King and um, James Taylor, James Taylor and and the roaches and things like that growing up. And the couple sitting next to us, um, my dad and I at the show was like, you know, this music. And I was like, yeah, of course I know Carol King. Yeah. They said, our son's your age. He would not have any idea who this was. And I was like, sorry, your son has bad taste. I don't know what to tell yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, I am a giant, like, I think like I'm on record like a million times talking about my love for Hall and & Oates. It's amazing. And, I love that. and they're just, I mean, they're phenomenal. Like I, mm-hmm. like I can, they're one of those people like as songwriters, like you listen to their songs and you can literally see everything they're talking about. You can visualize everything they're talking about. And I think when, when I went to write the record with the band and myself and our drummer, you know, we're writing melodies and lyrics and stuff like that. That's what I I wanted people to like Mm -hmm. be able to visualize. Mm -hmm. Like if you were talking about pain, I wanted you to like, really see that i wanted you to really feel things um and so any artist that ever did that was an artist that i loved you know like and back in the day like calling it that i think that's maybe why i liked hip-hop so much because like hip-hop is one of those genres that is is it's storytelling yeah it's it's people yeah. putting their their life on paper and to music and it's so descriptive and it just tells this deeper story than like you know, I've also been the guy that's written the cheesy pop song that means nothing. 
Um, and I don't like that. I hate that. Like, mm, it's not fun mm-hmm. to do that. I, I like, I like feeling, I like getting goosebumps when I listen yeah. to a song because I hear myself in the song. Mm-hmm. I can see my life happening in the song. So, so th- that's really what I grew up with. Growing up, my dad worked in like every, like all like, like a New York record store. Mm, okay. And like, he was always surrounded by music. Like he could tell me stories of like, I remember when we first got Dark Side of the Moon, mm. um, the record in and we closed down for the day and we just listened to that record. Going to performing arts high school was kind of like a, a screw you to my Catholic school, like eighth grade teacher. And then it just like, it was, that was it for the rest yeah. of my life. Yeah, so it was always it was it was always important and introduced, and then especially when I started to get into creative stuff like dancing and singing, mm. it was very much so like, all right, I'm going to immerse myself into this. Yeah, how was it to le- like when you're in a band and you're singing every night and you are a creative person and you're writing music and that's your job, whether it's a well-paying job or not, it's your job to get up there and to play music, and it's sort of it's part of your schedule, right? To have mm-hmm. this release. How does that feel to go then with into a more traditional job? Did you have to find time to have that creative space, to have that creative time to, to have that release? Or like, how did that feel? It's a good question. Um, you get, I mean, when you're doing it every night, it, it becomes just like second nature and automatic. You just mm-hmm. like get up there. Right. Um, I... I never really had to put myself in any sort of space or any sort of anything. I was just able to kind of get up there and do it. Um, Now I need to get myself in a space to do like the nine to five. Like I have to like mentally prepare myself to have a day full of like six to seven clients. And I'm like, and you sometimes whether like other therapists would want to hear this or not, sometimes it feels like you're performing and you're getting up there because you're face to face with someone. And there's a lot of expectations. Sometimes there's a lot of Mm. emotions, a lot of feelings, you know, like the client comes in with an expectation of what is this therapist going to do? And And sometimes, yeah. And sometimes they just want you to sit there. They don't really want anything out of you. And a lot of times they do want something out of you. You know, sometimes it feels very much so like you have to get yourself in the space and get yourself ready to put that therapist hat on, right? Because we all have issues. We all have things that we deal with. I struggle immensely with anxiety, but you have to table it sometimes and put the therapist hat on and do what you have to do. So like, yeah, like there is a sense of like, you have to be like, hey, I'm good. I have to do that. With the band, I never really felt that. I didn't get nervous. I didn't like, there were times when I was nervous when the crowds got bigger, but and maybe there were people in the crowd that were important, you know, you'd get nervous and then you'd have to kind of like really put yourself like Zen yourself out beforehand. And like, how am I going to calm myself down? Cause other people could just like drink a shot and be okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wasn't that guy. So like I had to like breathe it out and figure those things out. But yeah, it's, it's a process. How do you bring music into your therapy practice? So I do, I, I do it in the, in a, in a less traditional sense, right? Like, so there's music therapy, which is its own thing. Yeah. It's its own license. It's its own thing that should be greatly respected. I know a lot of wonderful ones that should be respected to the highest degree. 
Um, they work very, very hard. Um, how I utilize it is a little bit different where I use like, like soundtracking your life, right? If we're talking mm -hmm. about your life, like soundtrack your life, right? Another that. thing is like the communication, right? Like where I talked about people who find it yeah. hard to communicate. Yeah, I love that. Find it elsewhere. And it doesn't necessarily have to be music, right? It could be poetry. It right. could be a passage from a book that you that you saw and you're like, this is really how I feel. Or a movie. This is how I feel. So I'm going to pass that on. Mm. Um, and just like a lot of times, like lyric replacement too, putting yourself in the story um, mm. and replacing the lyric and then listening to it in, in that sense. Um, there's, there's a lot of times where uh, some of the younger kids, I actually, um, there's, there's certain websites that allow you to like collaborate and make um, music. Like you can make beats and mm. utilize like loops and things like that right on the screen. So, um, we'll collaborate on that. And that's great for like emotion identification, right? Mm. You might not be able to, especially a child, right? A lot of times I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay. Yeah. Are you, how was your day? It was good. What'd you do? Not much. Oh, how are you feeling? Um, yeah, I'm fine. And then that's it. You know, maybe you're not getting that now, but I'm sure when your kids are like 13 and 14, you're going to get I'm a lot of, it. I'm, I'm getting it. That <laughs> right. 10 year old, almost 10 year yeah. old. Yeah. I, I have a five-year-old daughter and you know, I'm so excited to find out about her day. And then she's like, uh, dad, can we not talk about this right now? And I'm like, you're five. What? Right. What? I'm fine. Um, I'm fine. It was fine. And meanwhile, they're crying and you're like, it's yeah, not fine. Like, it's not yeah. fine. Yeah. So like I'll utilize that platform to say, let's work on something that, how did today feel? Um, how did that feel for you? And a lot of times, you know, you'll get some heavy drums and then you'll mm -hmm. get like some darker stuff and you're like, okay, explain, explain the song to me. And then, and then you kind of build off of that and you build, and like, I have like files on my computer of like these wonderful tracks that like, just tell a story mm -hmm. where they don't even need to speak. I can understand what their day was like, um, just based off of what, what they're putting out and putting out on that platform. So it's that, that's been, that's been really cool to utilize, um, in sessions and then just like general, like listening, you know, like, yeah. Hey, I'm really listening to this song. How does this song speak to you? What does this song mean for you? You know, like wh where are you at in this song? Who, who are you in this song? Right. Like where, where are you in this song? Mm. And you, you get into such really deep, deep conversation. I utilize it more in that way. Can you give us a little sneak preview about your podcast that you're, I know it's very early in creation. Yes, so we're going to, we're going, and, and I know you told me privately and now I'm launching it on the podcast for <laughs> no, you, um, but uh, what, you know, just because you told me and I got so excited about it. Um, What, a, just a little sneak peek for the people listening so we can, you know, share it when it comes out basically you know we all have ups and downs right like mental health is also something that's like significantly overlooked what myself and my friend my co-host justin who's one of my best friends he's also um been a like a freelance graphic designer in the music industry forever um and that's how we actually met he we met through some mutual friends but he's designed shirts for me um and then we've just become best friends over the years we've only actually met each other like in person probably like two or three times 
Um, but he's someone that I consider yeah. one of my mm-hmm. best friends. Yep. So we're basically what we're going to do. We're going to have, we're going to utilize, you know, our, our past and have some guests in the music and mental health industries and kind of just talk about those, those light and dark moments of our life. Right. And hope to like reduce the stigma that surrounds mental health and kind of just provide that safe space, right. For people to look at our experience, the guest experience and find themselves in that and not feel alone. Oh, that person yeah. is going through what I went through or that person went through. How did they navigate it? Now we're not looking to give advice. I'm not looking to sit there and, and say, this is, this is the perfect answer and you should do that. I don't do that in my job. You know, I am not a, a fixer. I'm not a healer. I'm not an advice giver. I hold up a mirror so you can do it yourself. You have the power. I am just a bystander. I just happen to have a zoom account and and you want to talk to me. So it's kind of the same thing here where it's like sharing our experiences. And if you can find something in that, then that's what it's there for. Right. And for us, it's therapeutic because we get to talk to, we got to talk about ourselves. We get to talk to some of our closest friends that have been through a lot of different things. And, you know, we're just hoping to kind of talk about some of those darker moments, but also show people that they're, you know, there were, there are light parts. There mm-hmm. are parts that the light is at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And how did we get there? And if we got there, then how can you get there? Yeah. I love that. So yeah. for anybody that's going through a fresh start, what are some wise words that you may impart to them? I think one of the biggest things is be curious. I've said that a million times, but be curious, be curious. What, what you went through, what you're leaving behind is not who you are, like the rest of your life. It doesn't have to be. You can turn around and be curious about what's next, right? And if you could be curious about what's next, you can find hope, right? Mm-hmm. That's my biggest, that's like my, the the hill I'm willing to die on right now in therapy and all of those things. Like I will shout that from the rooftops. So that's, that's, that's number one. And if I circle back to the identity piece, find your identity, right? A lot of times when we're in relationships, that's our identity and we have no idea who we are outside of that. Mm. Um, so find who you truly are. You're not just a mom. You're not just a dad. You're not just a wife. You're not just a husband. You're not just a partner. You're not just a teacher, whatever you might be. You are so much more than that because you were something before that as well. So find that common ground now that you're starting fresh, find out who you are. And maybe it's that person you were before that, but also too, you have the full right to be whoever the hell you want to be, right? No one can tell you that you can't just go and be something else that makes you happy, right? Like we get caught up in like, oh, I could never do that. Why not? Yeah. You know, oh, I'm not important enough. Who said? I get caught up in that all the time. Oh, no one's going to listen to me. I'm not important. I have no story to tell. Why, why don't you have a story to tell? If two people gravitate towards you and take your story and they run with it and they start and they're able to leave a, a, an abusive relationship, or they're able to, you know, follow through on something that maybe they were on the fence about, that's what it's about. So find out 
find yourself, number one. And number two is be curious, because if you're curious, you could find hope. I I just love that. Yeah. I'm that you are so wise and I <laughs> just you. you are you are so wise and so many You're amazing the, the audio clips really easy too which is yeah. amazing <laughs> yeah we're gonna have some good audio clips for this episode and last but most importantly what was the last thing that you ate and truly loved while you were eating it and beyond so one of the biggest things that with anyone that knows me is I enjoy food like you wouldn't believe. It's one of the things that people like my wife will will sit there and say, she's like, I love watching you eat things that you like. <laughs> um, so one of the last things I that, I mean, I will say this till forever is sushi. Mm. I am a giant sushi person. I am a sushi snob. If if it's I have to get it from certain places. Um, and I get, and I probably buy too much of it. Um, so like sushi is always my go-to. That's like my, like, oh, you're not really, we're not doing dinner tonight. Okay. I'm going to order some sushi. (laughs) Um, so, so sushi is, is, is always, is always my thing. Well, thank you so much for being here and sharing everything. This was like a mind blowing conversation like truly there was so much in here I I truly could talk to you for like six more hours about all this stuff um and you know we're we're definitely going to have you come back on some other projects we're working Mm -hmm. on because we would love to talk about other stuff with you um but just thank you for sharing your story and inspiring hope in so many people and choosing to go into a line of work which may not always be easy but it does change people's lives and we admire you so much for that so thank you Thank you for listening to today's story. We're always here and we're proud of you. Until next time, brave one. A Fresh Story is brought to you by Fresh Starts Registry, the first and only platform for everything you need to start again. You can read the show notes and learn more about today's episode at freshstartsregistry.com slash podcast. Mm-hmm.